Do you recognize who you are? I don't mean looking in the mirror and identifying yourself. I mean, do you really recognize who you are according to God? His child, his chosen one, the one he chose to die for, the one who he's preparing a place for. That's a pretty important position. And because of that, it is a fact that none of us wakes up on any morning and thinks, you know what, I think today my goal is to be discouraged. I realize we may end up there, but I don't think any of us ever wakes up and that's our goal. I don't think anybody puts that at the top of their to-do list. Today, I want to be defeated. Today, I want to make no impact in the world. Oh, some of you might have your goal for that day not to be impacted by anyone else. I realize that on certain days. But I don't think any of us ever plans to be discouraged or defeated, and yet there are those days, right? There are those moments. There are those weeks or months. They just seem to come on us. I grew up with one pastor until I went to college. I heard the same voice every Sunday. In fact, I heard the same voice every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Because my dad was my pastor. I mean, you have to just deal with me for, you know, a few minutes on Sunday. Jody has every day. Pray for her. But one of the phrases, I have no idea when I first heard it or remembered it. But one of the phrases my dad said over and over and over in his personal life, in our family life, and especially in his ministry was this four-word phrase. God is still God no matter what. In those wonderful times, God is still God, and we have no trouble saying that. But in those dark moments, in those days that in spite of our plan, we feel defeated and discouraged, God is still God. That phrase has come to mean a lot more to me in recent years than it did when I was growing up. And a few months ago, the Lord started stirring in me this study in Scripture of all these occasions where that phrase applied. Now, we're looking at a six or more week series, looking in Scripture, about half of it in the Old Testament, half of it in the New Testament, of experiences and instances, some of which will be familiar to you, some maybe not so much, that highlights this truth, that God is still God. We're going to ask the same couple questions each week as we look at the scripture, and we're going to then outline the same couple of 
things each time. We're going to ask how we got there, and we're going to ask now what do we do, and we're going to ask what lessons have been learned, and then we're going to ask what are the next steps each week. My prayer is, first of all, that you hear from God. My prayer, secondly, is that each time, no matter what I say the lessons learned are or the next steps are, that God speaks and personalizes the plan for you. Not just in generalities, but specifically. So let's dive into this. I asked the question this week, and we put it up online. Do you ever feel or have you ever felt as if your circumstances were about to devour you? Where what you were facing was just more than you could handle on your own. In those moments, what I say is remember, God is still God even when you feel like you've just been dropped into the lion's den. So guess where we're going? Daniel, the Old Testament. The book of Daniel, chapter 6. Daniel in the lion's den. You go, oh, that's a kid's story. Oh, it means a whole lot more to us as adults and youth than it does when we're kids. So take a look with me. Daniel chapter 6. We're going to look at the whole chapter, but I'm not going to read the entire chapter. Just so you understand this, Daniel and several others have been taken into captivity. They had been set apart because they had been identified as potential leaders, and so they were trained and taught. And we know mainly of Daniel and his three Hebrew friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but those three are for another sermon. They were highlighted and they stood out. God blessed them in incredible ways. And Daniel just kept raising up in the government, even though he was a foreigner. In fact, it says in Daniel chapter 3, or excuse me, chapter 6, verse 3, Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps set to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. That's impressive. Verse 5. As often happens, jealousy rose up. Then these men said, we shall, find, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. If we're going to find anything on this guy, they said, it's going to have to do with his following God. What a testimony. To have other people who don't even believe recognize the strength of his faith and the power of his witness. They said, we're not going to find anything unless we can find something in how he follows God. Now, the reason they thought that that might be used was they were in a country that did not recognize God. 
They did not recognize him as the creator or savior or anything else. They had many other gods. And so to say that there was one God above the others just didn't match well in that culture. And yet because of how he lived, he just kept rising. So they said, maybe we can trip him up in his belief. So they went to the king. In fact, there's interesting study here in verse 6. It says, these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king. Another way to translate that is, they came thronging to the king. In other words, they came in mass, all complaining. But they didn't let the king know their complaint at first. They set it up to make the king feel good. You know, some of our greatest temptations show up in the areas of flattery. Some of our greatest temptations show up after the good stuff, not just the bad stuff. And this is what happened to Darius the king. They came to him in verse 6 and said, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom and the prefects and the satraps and the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except for you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. This was a normal procedure for someone who broke certain laws. One of the punishments was to be thrown into the den of lions. I would think that would be a detriment. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like an inviting experience. I like visiting the zoo, and I like seeing the lions and the tigers, oh my, but I don't want to be in with them, especially if it's before lunch. And this was the threat. Anybody who prayed or gave praise to anyone other than the king for the next 30 days would be thrown into the lion's den. Now I want you to jump ahead to verse 10. The king signed the document, by the way. And it says, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. As soon as he knew this was the law, he went home and still did what he had always done, which is worship God. Don't get hung up on the fact that he opened the window toward Jerusalem. There's nothing magical or mystical about that. He did that because he was in a foreign country and he wanted reminders of who he was worshiping and who he was serving and who he was living for. So he pointed his prayer toward Jerusalem, not because it's magical, but because God is still God. The first thing he did upon hearing this, was to simply go pray. What would your first response have been? Now notice, when he went and prayed, he opened the windows. I don't like to confess this, but I have a feeling I might have closed the windows and then prayed. Being faithful to God, just not noticed by others. 
We've not been called to do that. Daniel opened the windows and prayed as he had done before. And these little sneaks, I mean guys who had taken this stuff to the king, were standing outside, I assume below the window, with their recording devices. Somebody took notes. Then they came to the king and told on Daniel, verse 12, they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, the thing stands fast according to the law of the Mede and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you. That's not true. He just wasn't praying to him. (laughs) O king, the injunction you signed, he pays no attention to, and he makes his petition three times a day. Then the king heard these words and was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. The men came by agreement, that's they thronged back to the king and said to the king, know, O king, that it is a law of the Mede and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded Daniel to be brought and cast into the den of lions. And the king declared to Daniel, May your God, Jehovah God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. Even the king recognized the possibility. Daniel got thrown in. The stone was rolled over or placed on top of that. There was no way to climb out of there. And it was just Daniel and the lions for the night. It's a frightening thought. Which I'm sure Daniel had to ask at least a little bit. How did we get here? So whatever you're facing, let me ask you, how did you get there? We have to recognize that when we are facing the lions, when we are facing circumstances that feel like they're going to devour us, we are always going to ask, how did this happen? It's a natural question. It's okay to ask that. How did we get here? And we have to realize this. Sometimes we create the situation and sometimes we're forced into it. Daniel was forced into it and yet he created it. How? He continued to do what he was supposed to do. Even though he knew that was not what they wanted. He knew the consequences that were facing him and yet he continued to obey. You see, sometimes, even when doing the right thing, we wind up in the lion's den. We don't advertise that we ought to talk about it a lot more when it comes to following Christ that sometimes you do it right and still suffer consequences while here on earth because this is our temporary home not our eternal home we don't really like to think about that we we've kind of sanitized the gospel 
to where we go, man, you do the right thing and great things happen. Sometimes you do the right thing and lousy things happen. You can't equate what happens to someone to what they may have done. Sometimes we created it and sometimes we've been thrust into it. We do need to ask the question and figure that out. How did we get here? But sometimes, even when doing the right thing, we wind up in the lion's den. So it comes down to this. No matter how we got here, we must personally choose who we will obey. We have to choose, in spite of the lion's den, who am I going to obey? We have to choose, in spite of the discouragement, who am I going to obey? We have to choose in spite of the fact that it feels like a defeat at first. Who am I going to obey? And really, obedience comes down to two or three choices. The most obvious choice is to obey ourselves. That's the one we face and fight with the most, though we don't like to admit that. I'm going to obey my desires. The other is, you know, the circumstances and society and culture that's thrust upon us. We can choose to obey that or we can choose to obey Jehovah God, the Father, His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And theoretically, while sitting in here or watching online, it's really easy to say, I would always choose to follow God. We don't live in theory, we live in reality. And sometimes when we can smell or hear the lion's den, the choice is not so easy. Certainly not simple. Daniel made the right choice. My prayer is that we make the right choice, but we have to recognize this. It is a choice. Do I obey or not? So if this is where we are, now what do we do? Daniel had that. The injunction came out. Daniel again get thrown to the lions if you continue to pray. So what do you do? <laughs> Verse 10, when he knew this, he went to his house and prayed. He didn't wait a day. He just continued. You know, one of the reasons he continued is this was his normal habit. One of the reasons I talk so often about Spending time in prayer and being in the word is trying to make that a habit for you. When I went to college, before I went to college, I didn't really have a choice on whether I went to church or not. I grew up in a home and it had nothing to do with the fact that my dad was a pastor, that this is what we do. It made a big difference when I went to college, even to a Christian college, because I then had a choice, and sleeping in on a Sunday morning sure sounded good. My habit had me going until I really chose, this is what I do because of who I serve, who I'm following. Habits get a bad rap. There are good habits. Most of you that are here have the habit of bathing occasionally. 
to which all of us are grateful. I hear a lot of parents go, I'm not going to force my kids. Really? Do you make them take a bath? Or go to school? Or brush their teeth? Those are temporary. This is eternal. Does it mean if they come to church, they're going to follow Christ? No, but there's a lot better chance of it. Okay, enough interference. Just speaking truth. Now, what do we do? Number one, ask, what is God's desire from me? Daniel knew. That's why verse 10, he went straight back to the house and continued to pray. He knew that was God's desire. It was not just his habit. He was following God's call upon his life. But we all have to ask, what does God desire from me in this situation? Some of it is general principles. And if we know the word, we know what he wants from us. Sometimes we have to pray about the specifics because it's not quite as clear. The question is not what do I feel like doing, but what does God want me to do? Then... When you figure that out, you may have heard this before, then take the next right step, whatever that is. Because God is still God, even when it's difficult. God is still God when it's easy as well. And to be honest, we sometimes struggle more when it's easy than when it's difficult. That's another sermon series. Do the next right thing. Take the next right step, even when faced with consequences. You see, every choice has consequences. Some consequences are because we obey and we face opposition, and some consequences are because we disobey God's desires. Some consequences are immediate. Daniel got thrown into the lion's den, and some consequences don't show up for a long time. But they're there nonetheless. What do we do next? For Daniel, the next right step meant that he kept praying. What's your next step? And whatever you're facing, whatever seems to be discouraging you, whatever seems to be defeating you, whatever you're fearful of, what's your next step? Daniel knew this was what he must do. What do you need to do? And I'm sure Daniel had to ask, especially while falling into the lion's den, so what have I learned in all this? I assume one of the first things he learned is lions don't smell so good. I'm assuming another thing he learned was, man, they were serious about this. But when we really look at this and then try to apply it to us, here's some lessons we can learn from whatever we're facing and especially Daniel's situation. The first one that came to me as I was studying this was, even lions know that God is still God. Oh, you know, I forgot to read this. 
verse 19. At the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. He came near to the den where Daniel was. He cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, notice he called him the servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Do you think he was expecting an answer? I don't know. I, first thing, I was kind of surprised he said it instead of looking first. But on his way, he just cried out, Daniel, did your God, the living God, notice. That was true then. It's still true today. Save you. Did he rescue you? Now, I want you to understand this fact. Even if he didn't, he was still God. One of the most powerful lines in all the scripture we'll deal with in a couple of weeks with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace is when they said, O king, our God's able to rescue us from this fiery furnace, but even if he doesn't, we're going to follow him. You see, even if his God didn't save him in that moment, he's still God. In this case, Daniel was awakened from what I believe was a very good night's sleep when the king cried out. And I love this. Daniel said to the king, verse 21, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. They have not harmed me because I have, was found blameless before you. And before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad. I think that's an understatement, but that's what the scripture says. The king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken out of the lion's den. He was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him. I mean, you would think there'd be a bruise just from being tossed in. Lions evidently make a good cushion as well. Lessons learned. Even the lions know God is still God, and they obeyed him. Second lesson I notice in this is that people notice when you are consistent in your faith. These guys decided, we looked at this back in verse 5, we'll, we shall find no ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. In other words, unless we find it in the exercise of his faith. People notice when we're consistent in our faith. And you know, one of the times that they notice the most is when things aren't going as expected. How do we handle it? It doesn't mean that we don't weep. It doesn't mean that we don't say, this stinks. But what it means is people notice, you know, that's exactly how they acted when it was going well. There must be something to this. When we're consistent in our faith, whatever we may be facing. So a lesson learned is maintain your witness even during the opposition. And let me add, maintain your witness even during the victory. For you see, during the opposition, during the lion's den, during the discouragement or defeat, 
that might be your greatest opportunity to display the power of a life lived for Christ. When they see it this way. I remember when my mom was in her last days at age 59 in the hospital. It was just different how the nurses treated my mom. Now, part of it, I thought she deserved it, but they're busy. They have a lot of people to take care of. And I said something to my dad one time about it. And he said, a couple of them have remarked and said, we noticed something different in you guys. We have to ask, do people notice something different in us? Do they notice something different in how we do the normal, regular, everyday stuff? For you see, the lion's den is an exception, but Monday's coming in the morning. Are you the same on Monday? Or Wednesday? That consistency in our witness may be our greatest opportunity to show people who Jesus is. So we need to learn the lesson that David did. Stand firm without slandering the opposition. Daniel not only stood firm, but he didn't start pointing fingers. He didn't do it in the beginning and said, you know, they did this just for me. They tricked you, king. It's not easy to face the opposition and not fight back and not slander them. But Daniel did. So what are our next steps? <clears throat> Number one, this one's always there, and that's pray. Whatever we're facing, whenever we're facing it, during the good times and the bad times, we need to pray. We need to pray often, and we need to pray consistently. Does it need to be three times a day? It probably needs to be more than that. <laughs> they don't have to be formal times of prayer. You can pray as you move along. I used to call them throw-up prayers, and Jody said I'm not to call them that anymore, so I don't call them throw-up prayers anymore. What I meant was just in the moment. As things happen, we toss the prayer. Lord, help me in this moment. Lord, bless them. Lord, help them. Lord, shut my mouth. Pray. Number two, trust God's actions. God is God, and he doesn't have to explain himself to us, but he often does. And whether he does or whether he doesn't, I need to trust his actions because his words have told me he wants what's best for me. He loves me. He gave his life for me, and he is working for my good, even in bad situations. Number three, we need to encourage others. Did you notice the first thing Daniel did was encourage the king? After spending the night with the lions, from an order that he signed, Daniel said, O king, verse 21, live forever. May my God send his angel and shut the lion's mouth. He encouraged the king in that moment. Who are you needing to encourage today? Number four, 
no matter what we're facing, the next right step always involves standing firm. Firm in our faith. Firm in our witness. See, standing firm in our faith, sometimes we do it on wobbly knees. Because we're not the one who's firm, he is. His word is firm. So I stand on the word, even though my knees are knocking, I'm standing firm. Where are you concerned this morning? And which next step do you need to work on? Is it prayer? Is it trust? Is it to encourage others? Is it to stay firm in what you know to be true? Or maybe it's a different one because my prayer has been that God individualizes this for you. What is he saying to you this morning? Whatever you're facing, whatever you're about to face that you don't even know is coming, God is still God. He's still God in the lion's den and he's still God on the throne and everywhere in between. Wherever you are, whatever it is, God is still God. Jesus, thank you for loving us no matter what. Lord, thank you for watching out for us. I don't always understand why sometimes the answer comes back great from the doctor and sometimes it doesn't. I don't understand why sometimes we get the job and sometimes we don't. I don't understand why sometimes that car just runs forever and other times it breaks down all the time. I don't understand why sometimes people believe us and other times they don't. But Lord, I do trust that you are still God in all of those situations. So, Lord, I pray for each one of us and for those who this morning are desperate to hear the truth that you're still God in what they're facing today. Lord, guide us as we go from here to live this out, to stand firm in our faith because we're praying and trusting. And, Lord, may we encourage those around us not just those who are here, but those who don't even know or acknowledge you. May we encourage them with our faith. So Lord, as we go, I pray that we go in obedience. In Jesus' name, amen.